Why does a faith community like ours matter? After the 12 days of Christmas, we celebrate Epiphany on January 6th. We remember the story of the wise men coming to see Jesus. That word epiphany can be translated as either an aha moment or a moment when God becomes recognizable. So for the next several weeks, we'll read gospel stories that focus on aha moments that make Jesus' identity recognizable. Stories like his baptism, his first miracle, his first sermon. Every year on the first Sunday after Epiphany, which is today, we hear the story about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. In each version of the story, Jesus comes up out of the water and is told that he is beloved. This morning's passage from Luke recounts that a voice from heaven said, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. As our initiation rite, baptism marks our formal entrance into the church. In our tradition, all people of any age are welcome to be baptized. Baptism isn't about going to heaven or avoiding hell, but rather God saying to us what God said to Jesus. We are beloved. There are many people who walk past our gate on G Street who have been hurt by the broader church or who've decided that what we have to offer is not relevant to their pursuit of a meaningful life. Some have been told by our religion that they are not beloved. Historically, Christianity has categorized who's in, who's out, who's right, and who's wrong. And we've spiritually wounded many people in that process. The theologian Marcus Borg says that the word believe would be better understood as beloved. He continues, to beloved Jesus means more than simply loving Jesus. It means to love what Jesus loved. Jesus lived with great empathy and tenderness. He valued justice and mercy and forgiveness, but he loved people. In order for us to love what Jesus loved, it's necessary for us to learn how to love one another. A healthy church should be known as a beloved community, defined by our conviction that each and every person is beloved by God, and also the ways that we put this conviction into action by sharing our love with one another and our neighbors. Our tradition should shape what we believe and what we do. Faith communities like ours matter because we view life through the lens of being loved. In the midst of an exclusionary world, we aspire to be a place where everyone can belong. Henry Nouwen says that You're sent into this world for a little while to claim that you and every other human being belongs to this same God of love. Before communion every Sunday here at Christ Church, we say this is God's table, not ours. 
All people are welcome here. All types of people do, in fact, gather around our table. We're old and young. We're joyful and in mourning. We're healthy and sick. We're gay and straight, Republican and Democrat, white, black, Asian, and Latino. As you come forward to receive communion, you might wait in line behind someone that you substantially disagree with or that you would not interact with outside of this space. We break bread with people we don't know. And we do this because we believe that we are each beloved by God. When we share communion with one another, we share connection with one another. Communion transforms us. And it reminds us that we are connected to one another by something that is greater than any one of us individually. This is an experience that you can get here in the church that you cannot get anywhere else. Spiritual connection that reaches across our differences. I myself am worse off when I miss out on this experience. This past Thursday, we observed the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on our Capitol. Just steps away from our front door, steps away from many of your front doors. There was a noose on the mall that day. A Confederate battle flag on the portico, tear gas in the rotunda, guns drawn on the house floor. There were pipe bombs here in our Capitol Hill neighborhood. The polarization of our society has been well documented. We live in bunkers and silos. And although it seems as if the you're with us or you're against us mindset would lead us to feeling more connected to people that we ideologically align with, the opposite is happening. As we have sorted ourselves more and more into political and ideological silos, we have also become more lonely. When you factor in this pandemic, which has forced us into isolation, we are experiencing a crisis in loneliness. In his book, The Big Sort, Bill Bishop points out that in 1976, less than 25% of Americans lived in communities where the presidential election was decided by a landslide. By 2016, 80% of us lived in communities that gave triumphant victories to one candidate or the other. During this same time period, reports of loneliness doubled. All this data is from before the COVID pandemic. Neuroscience tells us that our bodies communicate to us what we need. When we're hungry, our stomachs groan. When we're cold, we shiver. When we are lonely, we feel that, and we need to seek connection. Dr. John Cacciapo argues that air pollution increases our odds of premature death by 5%, obesity 20%, excessive drinking 30%, he says that loneliness can increase our odds of dying early by 
We are living lonely lives in a polarized world, and we're seeing the damaging ripple effects of that play out. Of all the crises that we're wading through, our spiritual disconnection from one another is perhaps given the least attention, but is among the most excruciating. This belief that I am beloved and that you are beloved and everyone else is beloved by God is at the core of our tradition. We each belong. Everyone has a place here. Communities of belonging do not have bunkers. During this time of rampant dehumanization, our church is needed to welcome, accept, and include all people who walk through our doors to facilitate spiritual connection across our differences and to offer a sense of belonging to a lonely and exclusionary world. In the name of God, amen.